You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I am your de facto host, Ian, with me, Harrison Crow, and for the first time, Kieran Doyle. Say hello to everybody, Harrison Crow and Kieran Doyle. What's going on, folks? Hi. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. Uh, hello, everybody. It's been a while. Um, just going to go ahead and get this awkward bit out of the way first. That, that It's been a long time, and we're, uh, you know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we are, uh, you know, going to do a show, though. We wanted to, to do it because it sounded like fun and we, we, we were all available. So so here we go. Um, I don't know that this is going to mean that the American Soccer Analysis Show is going to be back on a weekly basis for, for all time. But we're going to we're going to try to do a little bit better job as we as we can be available. And um, might not always be me, might not always be Harrison, might not always be Kieran uh, at the helm or uh, a part of it. So uh, we're going to try to bring more people into this and, and, and kind of attack this 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 podcast scheduling issue uh, with a with a with the, with the village approach. So um, if you missed us and, and, uh, you know, I appreciate it and thank you for, for listening again and, uh, sorry that we were gone so long, but, uh, we've, we've spent a lot, uh, uh I think we spent enough time not talking about major league soccer on the American soccer analysis show. So let's just, uh, go ahead and, and do that again, guys. How about major league soccer this year? You guys having fun? You guys, you guys like major league soccer still? No, it sucks. As as a supporter of the team with the highest payroll in the league, who is not going to make the playoffs? No, not really. (laughs) It's been uh, well. I don't know. Like just generally speaking, like what would you say? Like your uh, what's your what's your favorite story of the year for for Major League Soccer? Like like what's your what's what's the best narrative going on right now? I I think we're going to talk about kind of some of the fun ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But to me, the the most fun is seeing the teams who actually have a plan and like a cohesive strategy in the same direction are all really good this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that definitely feels rewarding. I was actually going to say something similar, but uh, since you went with that really smart one, I'll go in the opposite direction. I think it's really fun to see LAFC completely burn their team down in the second half of the season uh, after having just like an awesome first half. Again, an awesome first half of the season, which just goes up in flames because uh, they're like rich million they're bored rich millionaires i mean i guess that's the only <laughs> yeah, thing i can come up I with mean, I, I think they're they're still pretty good right like they're gonna be fine they're, they're still gonna they're still gonna make the playoffs yeah like they're well okay i think we talked about this like within the asa discord but like uh their second half actually hasn't been that bad from a from an advanced perspective but there's definitely like you watch the games. There's definitely some some getting to know you uh, moments, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, it is just one of those things where you know. I think I it, I said probably the same thing on Twitter, where it's just like we have the best team in Major League Soccer. Let's let's mess with that just because we can. And I don't uh, I don't really understand it that much. Um, certainly, I think I, I see the appeal from like a economic standpoint i guess like if you can get gareth bale to play for 
2% of his uh, asking rate. And <laughs> like he's going right. to sell you. He sold the most shirts uh, in the league. So, you know, clearly there was some some good, uh, at least like exposure bits to that. Uh, but like soccer wise. Do you have any tinfoil hat? Like, like, did, did he really? Do you have like tinfoil hat moments? Like when, when you see that number and you think, hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Harrison, are you alleging that there's anything untoward going on in LAFC? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we've been gone for a year, and the first thing we're going to do is is uh, call the most successful and economically viable team in the league a bunch of cheaters. I love it. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it paint, we we are been accused mo- many times as being like a pro-Philly uh, podcast. So, true. I mean... True. Why not? Why not take that reins? Why not? Like, I, Didn't, sure. Wasn't it the wasn't it the Philly GM that yeah. that came out? Yeah, I'll, like, I'll nah, get down with Ernst nah. Tanner. I'll... <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, I mean, I don't. Okay, I, I'll say it like this: Do I think that there is some sort of organized conspiracy? Not really. No, I don't think MLS is competent enough for that. Do I think MLS on the reg kind of just? Ben's roster rules to allow things like this to happen, even if it's not in the competitive interest of the league. Yes. <laughs> I think obviously. Yes. Uh, is that good or bad? I, I don't know. Um, I don't like it, um, but I don't look at the balance sheet at the end of the day and I'm not in charge of like, you know, maintaining an, a, an American soccer league. So um, maybe this makes sense. Maybe this is worth it to them. Um I don't think they do it otherwise, but but I don't know. Yeah, so I would say sure. Yeah, do I think everything with Gareth Bale is just on the up and up? No, of course not. <laughs> but uh, do I think it's a big problem? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the one that maybe flies under the radar, not to dwell on this for too long, is I guess like Bale's agent said something like, well, he gets a lot of other opportunities by being in LA because of this, which is like, okay, I can believe that like Bale is a, a reasonably globally popular player, like has won man of the match in champions League finals, whatever. Okay, fine. I don't really understand the same argument for Chiellini where it's like, that guy is not getting any sponsorship opportunities in LA. Like I'm, I'm very sorry, but it's just, I don't, I don't really see him as the, the target has- spokesperson for, for anything. He doesn't have the same pull. Like, what would what would what would Keelini like sponsor? I mean, just uh, you know, I don't even know. I don't Olive even. Well, are you are you guys? Are you, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, are you are you are you are you for a second suggesting that his successful time with uh, the Italian national team hasn't yielded certain opportunities the same as uh, Gareth Bale? No, I think that Gareth Bale just has more like global, like, cachet, right? Like, I mean, isn't he? I mean, he played for Real Madrid, sort of. He played for Tottenham. Um, that's it, really, I guess. Uh, I, I do think there's like a playing for Real Madrid thing and then going to Southern California is, yeah, it's he's like the reverse Santiago Munoz. <laughs> he's like the reverse Santiago Munoz. Boy, we need to. We need to get down and talk about goal. The dream begins sometimes on one of these podcasts and really just, just get into it. Cause there's a lot, a lot of issues I have with that film franchise. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, but I mean, I don't think it's any different than like what you see with, uh, are we saying Ricky Pooj? Is that really the pronunciation we're going with is Pooj? 
I, there's no way. There's no way that it is can't actually. be that, right? I've always just assumed it was Puig, like the baseball player's Puig, right? Yasio? Yeah. Listen, listen, I don't, I, I'm not even going to. This is, this, is, this is not Harrison's not, lane. This is not, I'm not, I'm, I refuse to comment. And uh, you know what? I had one really good podcast last year where I didn't mess up too badly. So I'm just going to, I'm going to skip this conversation. You guys this is go. Not Harrison's lane. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to call him Ricky then, you know, uh, I think to a lesser degree, cause I think that one has like buybacks built into it and just like a very much, this is, this is alone, like in all, but technical definition. Right. Um, so That's yeah, a so I don't opportunity know. too, right? Not to ha- not to have Ricky on your back, like that would be, I, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Mean, that that feels like a misbranding opportunity, but but you also anyway. have, and I want to say that like for all the he gets other like I haven't seen Gareth Bale on Jimmy Kimmel. Have you? <laughs> I also can't. No, I haven't. But I also can't see him going on Jimmy what, Kimmel. What would, like, that would be just, very yeah. He does not seem like a a guy very interested in uh that side of things i feel like this is what i hear from la fans every time i raise like a an eyebrow at one of these kind of things be it zlatan or or gareth bale or ricky just ricky uh <laughs> is they always come back to like well the, you know they they want to get their name out there in hollywood now like, i didn't see zlatan ibrahimovic like starring alongside the rock and anything like i don't think this is as big of a thing as you're making it out to be that they're gonna they're really that concerned about like their like uh, their their um, you know their film and television careers or whatever. But okay, anyway, we don't know. But while we're on the subject of LAFC, aside from the the the, the questionable um, contract of, of some of these guys, how <laughs> you could say it's a little bit. Uh, do you remember like uh, I don't know? I guess it was even like two months ago. We were, I think, all looking at LAFC and going like, they're going to run away with the supporter shield. They're going to they're going to win everything. Like this is one of like the strongest teams we've seen, um, you know, even a couple of years ago when they were so good uh, in that kind of historically good year uh, at the time. I don't think that like the the, the, the soccer looked as good to me. Like, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any sense like like uh, what happened? Like, was it just like has this worked out for them? I guess is, is the obvious question has doing this kind of roster rebuild midseason kind of kind of worked out for them. So I think like on one hand I t- I totally understand looking at the ability to add like a still elite center back and an attacking player who like as much as MLS is on the up and up that he should be one of the five best attacking players in the league. Mm-hmm. And saying, yeah, this makes sense. We have the time to do it. Like we'll figure out how to make it work later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've seen that I think is really starting to hurt is that it's very difficult to build a functional press with both Vela and Bale on the pitch together. And I think like the Houston game is the most evident one where they tried to play four four two for long stretches with those two as two nines. Mm-hmm. And you get nothing defensively. And it's, okay, great, you get lots in transition, but there's a lot of teams who are going to say, like, okay, defend a little bit. And this has been a thing that TFC have seen forever, is like being forced to play two strikers and neither of them defend. And it's really hard to build competent defensive structures that way. Because when I think about LAFC being 
the dominant LAFC, like the force, like in my mind, what I'm seeing is that press that they were known for. That was just so like, I, you know, my, my preferred major league soccer team, um, the Seattle Sounders, I've watched them just completely nullify the Seattle Sounders in ways I haven't seen teams do before with that press. Um, so it really was kind of like an identity shift, um, on the fly. And I I don't know that that was maybe the right move. Maybe, you know, hindsight will be, will be kinder to them as, as we move on into the playoffs. Cause I guess they're still going to win the West. They're still going to be fine. Um, I think, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Harrison, do you, do you have any, any, any thoughts on, on LAFC? Oh, I, I think now? you're kind of, kind of nailed it with, uh, with, with the fact that they're just, they're, they're tactically deficient now. Um, they, they have one less player to, to help with their press than what they had previously. And, you know, when you take a, take a player away like that, um, you know, whether that's, I don't know. Even if he's a higher quality attacker, I mean, defense is how we always talk about this. How much do do you do without the ball? Uh, It's you have the ball for maybe 5% of the game. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you Mm -hmm. do off the ball? And that's such a vital piece that, that uh, sometimes we do, we, we kind of, we kind of miss that. We, we kind of don't see the, the forest through the trees uh, sometimes when we talk about that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that he nailed it. Um, one thing I do want to bring up is the fact that, you know, we talk about how good LAFC was in the, fir- in the first half. I mean, realistically, the underlying metrics, yeah, they were in the lead uh, for a lot of stuff, um, you know, uh, but NYCFC was right there with them. There's a few other teams that were behind them as well. It's not as if LAFC just stood out on their own so far ahead of everybody. Um, and when I talk about the first half of the season, I'm talking about like from, you know, February to, to late June to, you know, the transfer window mm-hmm. opening. But from July until now, Philadelphia has a plus 36 goal differential. Like the difference between what Philadelphia is doing now in the second half and what LAFC did in that first half is not comparable. Like they, there is a clear best team right now in, in MLS. And yeah, uh, LAFC has a, has a positive expected goal differential. Uh, they're, they're the only, they're the only team besides Philadelphia that has a plus 10 expected goal differential. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, I just feel like Philadelphia. What Philadelphia is doing right now is um, so incredibly rewarding. Like uh, what Kieran again said earlier, just building their team right. It, it's it, it's it's incredible. Well, let's go to um, let's just let's just transition from because I think Philadelphia have become sort of the major like the main story of Major League Soccer over these last few. Um, weeks, you know, even months, but really like just they're kind of demolishing teams. I think in a way that, I mean, I, when I, you know, we saw Toronto do this back in like 17, 18, some we saw LAFC do it some, but like, this is different because it keeps happening in a, in, <laughs> in a weirdly consistent way that uh, there just doesn't like, I don't know. I don't know that I've seen an MLS team. I've seen an MLS team with great players be great. I don't know if I've seen an MLS unit like this before. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That's just really cohesive. It just, uh, every piece is very much built around the other pieces that are in the, they're more than the sum of all their parts. Right. So Kieran, do you have any like, 
you're more of a, a tactics guy than me. Do you have any like insights, like what, what Philadelphia is doing? Like how, how, how are they making this work? I think one of the biggest things is that. So one of the things that I'm like somewhat skeptical about Philly is I think they might be mm-hmm. like a bit of a, a regular season. Like not that I'm a big playoffs are the only real soccer type person, but I think <laughs> right. there's a certain amount of oh, like, you should, you should there's a, tactics, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's also a lot of teams that are just not playing for anything right now. And they are just absolutely like blowing the doors off of bad teams. They're blowing the doors off of good teams too, but they're especially blowing the doors off of bad teams. And I think like Ernst Tanner has talked a lot about the way they play and the types of profiles that they recruit are to fit a very specific style, which is to win the ball high in the middle of the pitch and to create lots and lots and lots of transition chances off the back of that. And then they have fullbacks who are very good passers to central areas, but not necessarily good crossers, which is a very different skill set. And I think they've just gotten a lot of joy out of the fact that they've got two really good running forwards. And then they've kind of, out of nowhere gotten really, really good life out of Carranza who looked dead in Miami. Mm-hmm. And like Jose Martinez is maybe my favorite midfielder in the whole league yeah. because he's so good at winning the ball and moving it forward and covering ground in a way that very few midfielders do. Mm-hmm. They're just a, a, I think I saw a stat earlier in the week that their goal difference over the last two months would be like the f- fifth or sixth best goal difference season ever. Or something yeah, insane like that. I mean, you score six goals a game. That's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna result in that. So, um, you know, one of the things you said that was interesting to me, you talked about uh, this sort of uh, tactical discipline, this sort of tactical idea, this very, like, cohesive directive to say, like, okay, we want to win the ball high up the pitch. We want to create transition. Doesn't that remind you of um, those Red Bull teams that were so good, like, when they were doing this sort of thing? Yeah, I think there there is a lot of like red bullion overlap. Like I think Tanner is like a, I think he's a Hoffen a former Hoffenheim guy, which is like similar mm-hmm. schools of thought. Um, and I think we've seen it, it's a pretty good way to overperform your budget. Yeah, is like we we cannot afford this. $10 million number 10, who's going to stitch things together. Like we're not going to play, pay the 12 million euros for Pozuelo, but we can get this. Hey, we have this kid from Pennsylvania who presses like a maniac and will run behind and score goals and rob Michael Bradley over and over. How do you and, not love this? Like this is, and, this is great. <laughs> no, it's, it's, re- no, but it's, it's really fun. And it's cool that like, that's their thing. And that's a yeah. very different thing than FC Dallas's thing, who also have their thing. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just to comment ahead. on that real fast, uh, Tanner came from uh, Red, Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. go. That would yeah. that would explain why that happened then. So, uh, yeah. So I think, um, and one thing before we leave the subject of Philly, uh, I do want to point out that I have always thought Jack Elliott is the best and. I think the rest of the world is finally catching up to this. So good job, Jack Elliott. Justice for the super draft, I think. Boy, 
boy, so For many sure. teams. So many teams would love to have Jack Elliott that 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 passed over him. Uh, and and Kai Wagner is real good too. It's really good to have guys like that. Didn't he just set a record for like defender assists? That's pretty good. 15. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, all right. So uh, the, I think the other big story of the year that we've uh, not talked about because we haven't been doing the podcast is uh, our friends down south in Texas. Uh, Verde. Um, that Dallas? whole shtick. Dallas. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we could talk to about Dallas for a minute. Dallas is doing pretty good. Well, you know. Houston? Well. No. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. Sorry. So, so Verde. North, North uh, Texas SE. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Rio Bravo. Uh, yeah. No, uh, so Austin, uh, this has been a flashpoint for everybody uh, online, uh, on the, you know, in, in the soccer discourse world that we, we inhabit. Uh, where there seems to be this view that Austin is not as good as their results uh, have uh, led many to believe. Um, and that is sort of been the viewpoint of everybody that's not um, a fan of Austin. And then there have been the Austin FC fans whose point of view is that, no, we are. Um, <laughs> where, where do you... Where, where I don't really know how to approach. Austin. No, no, that, that's that. It's very, it's very blunt. It, it is, it is. That's I, been the 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 retort online has very much been. Oh no, you're wrong. We are, and, and it's a little bit know, hard. To at the same time, with. like, and to their credit, they got 51 points. Man, they're getting 1.7 points per game. So like, they have some solid, you know, evidence in their corner that they're doing something right. Um, where, well, where are you guys? That, but the goals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I guess, like, when you, you know, where, where would you say you fall down on this? Because, like, I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm going to, like, uh, straddle the fence, uh, as I like to do, because no one can pin me down and say you were wrong, um, and say that they're probably not as good as their results have been, but they're also still pretty good. You're welcome. Kieran, good. Go, I'll, I'll let you go. You, what, what, yeah. I know you've got you thoughts on Austin. Now. I've enjoyed your thoughts on Austin. Okay, before, yeah. so my my Austin thoughts are, yes. so on one hand, I don't think they're actually that good. And I, I don't even think they're like pretty good. I think they're just fine. But I think they have some of the things where, okay, you can see why they might be better than the underlings can predict. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is I also totally understand why their fans are like, you are wrong. I I went down to go watch a game at the beginning of August. Um, and uh, I was in that stadium and I was like crossing my arms and I was like, they're not doing anything special. This team is not real. Like think about their XG. And then they scored a banger and the drums were going and I was like, started singing in Spanish and I was ready. To, <laughs> I, I had never heard the words XG for the next 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I totally get it. I totally get it. Uh, but I think there's, I think there's a few things that stick out as like, okay, this is maybe not real. So okay. I think like one of the usual suspects when we see teams just drilling their XG in MLS is do they have a really good goalkeeper? Mm-hmm. And so Stuver is good. I think this is his name, Stuver. I hope that's not wrong. Is yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but they're like 
they're only a little bit better than their XG on that side. So it's like, okay, it's not that. And then you see they're 15 goals better, something like 15 goals better on the attacking side. And it's not, some of it's Driussi, some of it's uh, kind of spread around. But you also have things like Diego Fagundes is just randomly scoring free kicks. Yeah, that is not something I had on any chart anywhere for predictions of things Ma- that would happen this year. Maxi Aruti has nine goals from five XG, which is just not a thing he's nonsense. done for his career. Absolutely nonsense. <laughs> so, like, you can maybe sell me that Driussi is just so good that he's going to slaughter his XG for his whole career, which, like, Giovinco basically did. It's We've it's seen possible. it. Yeah. Um, and, like, he's the right age. That That's great. But I don't think... I don't think there's a lot of repeatable overperformance in there. Like, I also don't think there's the the thing where, like, oh, yeah, they play in transition a lot, so their shots are more free than the XG models think, or they defend deeper, so the shots they're conceding are, uh, are, are more blocked than the XG models think. They're also not playing with the lead so often that there's, like, huge game state effects in there either. So I think it's just like, enjoy the season. It's fun. You're running hot. Soccer is about real goals, not expected goals at the end of the day. But if you were to make me like pick a team to regress the hardest for next year, it's Austin for sure. Yeah. And to be very clear, like Kieran's right. This game, this sport will, 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 uh, disappoint you more often than it will surprise you with joy so by all means if you don't let don't let me or anybody tell you not to enjoy yourself and just keep riding that Verde train like we we get it um you know but but at the same time it's such an interesting thing to talk about from people that 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 do what we do that kind of look at the sport in the way that we do um because it's just it's what makes the game exciting. Uh, I think uh, Teodol, you know, would, would talk about the. I love how he talks about the, um, uh, the the gods of bounce or whatever. And it's just like at the end of the day, man, if the gods of the bounce are on your side, like it's just gonna it's gonna go great. <laughs> and it just feels like that uh, Austin, whatever they sacrificed uh, to the season to the gods of bounce before has has worked uh, worked wonders for them. So um, I'm not going to say that it will it will happen forever, but you know if you're an Austin fan, uh, enjoy it and, and love it because uh, you know uh, that the other shoe will drop someday, and it's it's not as much fun. So so get it while you can. Ask Atlanta fans. <laughs> well, and, and to 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 Kieran's point, like a lot of the overperformance for uh, Sebastian Javinko, like a lot of that came from uh, from set pieces, right? Um, so it, it's not even that he was just overperforming purely on you know, talent, he had, they had, you know, purposely driven really good set pieces set up for him. And he was just extremely talented at that. Uh, that's something that bears out in the data over the course of what, five seasons or so, uh, which I mean, obviously, you know, there's not a ton of set pieces. You're not going to go through what, uh, I, I'm trying to think of how many set pieces are, are conducted over the course of a season, but you, it's not like you're getting, you know, um, as many shots from set pieces as you will from open play. So yeah, I think that it's a little bit worrying and next year they're going to have to figure out a way of like legitimately, how do we open up our play and get him more consistent uh, opportunities to put shots on, on goal. And at, at the end of the day, yes, like Kieran said, it's, it's about goals, not expected goals, 
But if you want repeatability and you want consistent performance, that you're going to need to find a way to get him into those spots on a consistent basis. Now, I think the counterpoint here is that um, Austin's been really good about scoring early in games and getting leads early in games. And I think that when you ta- start talking about expected goals and game states, get, expected goals start acting really weird. And uh, that would be one thing that I think that we need to kind of consider with Austin. Um, I think that they've played, uh, and I'd have to look, go look at this, look at this. I, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. I think they played a large percentage of their games with leads versus being in, in uh, null or negative game states. So that's something that would probably be good to look at and at least kind of explore to see if that hasn't changed. Maybe the tactical approach of uh, and touches uh, in the front half of the attack. Uh, additionally, you know, <laughs> the thing that worries me about them is not their attack. Their attack is is probably very real for, you know, just on a talent basis. I worry so much about that defense. That defense just, it, Brad Stuber should not be in the position to save as many shots as what he does. Uh, he, he's, he's had to do things that... Um, Rarely do you ask Matt Turner or Stefan Fry, guys that have have had careers that have consistently been amazing. Um, rarely do you do you lean on him that heavy, and he's had that type of season. And I, I kind of wonder, is that can you continue to do that? And uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that when you talk about them being a playoff team you're really going to have to lean on that defense. I mean, we see that time and time again that the all yeah. of a sudden, once we get to the playoffs, uh, games change. Tactics change. They, it, it gets a lot less uh, runny and a lot less uh, stagnant, or a lot more stagnant, rather. Um, it becomes cagey, as they say. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do worry about them. <clears throat> And, and again, I, I'm not going to have a team in the playoffs, so this is fine for me because I get to talk about it from from the uh, from, from from the theoretical side of who I would be supporting. Um, I just want good games, and to be perfectly honest, I think that they're going to have. I think they're going to struggle with that. Um, so that's just me spitballing, though. Yeah. So to 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 plug how beautiful and and quick and easy our site is i checked to see what their xgd was their expected goal difference was at only even game states and everything and it's about the same they're a little bit worse at even game states than they are at. oh that's good that's that's interesting okay if you're ever wondering these these questions for yourself listen we got a table for you you just got to click the little things in the upper left not the middle it's the most important thing to remember um, all right. Uh, let's see. Since we got Kieran Doyle here today, um, let's talk about Toronto Football Club for a second because oh, no. they're. Um, whew, man, I um, I don't like it, <laughs> uh, but it seems like I, I, it's it's so much money, um, and there's like a part of me that that sort of. Uh, gets a little bit snobby about this and just goes like, oh, well, you know. And that's wrong. Like, that's not... The object of the game is not to to spend the money the most efficiently. The object of the game is to put the, the team that's going to win games on the field. Um, and they've got some pretty... They've got some pretty good players in there in Toronto now, Kieran. Um, I guess what I would ask you is, um, 
are Toronto going to be a problem next year? I think this year, I think they're probably going to come up short. You know, I, I guess I don't think they're like mathematically eliminated, but it's it's pretty pretty tough, right? Like looking yeah. at this, I don't I, I don't really I, see that. Yeah. I think I think there's like they need a ridiculous set of losses, and they have to win a very weird connection of points. Um, and they haven't exactly been invincible since these guys came in either. No, they've been better. They have been better. So, the, the, so in terms of our Toronto FC going to be a problem next year, I lean no. On one hand, because I think that it has maybe flown under the radar how old this team is. Yeah. Um, I think like we'll put goalkeeper aside because I don't think either goalkeeper will return next year or return to play significant minutes next year. Um, but I would think not. Yeah. M- Mavinga is 30. Uh, Shane O'Neill is not, I can't remember how old he is, but he's not young. Uh, Bradley is very old. Mark Anthony is peak age. Oso is 30 and maybe not coming back. Yeah. Insigne is 31. Bernardeschi's 30. Uh, it, it's, Crescido's thirty five or something like that. Larry's on loan, yeah, twenty eight. Like it's uh, there's not a lot of up forward upside in this roster. It's kind of funny because at the beginning of the year they were very very young. Yeah. So this is my biggest gripe from this year is that TFC had all of last year where they were bad, post pre and post and during Chris Armas and mm-hmm. and. Uh, the guy I can't remember who looked like a gym teacher and they, they kept playing like veteran guys that all the reporting coming out of the club had been, they're not coming back and they were still playing like Nick DeLeon was playing and Dom Dwyer was playing and all these guys that it's like, you have all these kids that you just talk about how great they are. And, Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy is in the background of Arsenal all or nothing for like three frames and everybody's super jazzed about it, but you're not playing them to play vets that you're not bringing back. And now you go into this season and you're like, okay, well we know we're going to do a lot of business in the summer off free agents. So we're going to play kids before that. But we also don't really know how good a lot of these kids are because they've only played 300 MLS minutes and so now you play half of the season with kids who are very clearly not good enough or not ready or whatever. And it's not their fault. Yeah, and yeah. and that's where you end up. Being, like they probably weren't good enough on the back half of the season form anyways, but they were in way too deep a hole, I think, to make it up anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the one thing that has not improved um, at least in this this last run of games has been uh, this is just my general sense it's, is um, the defense right like yeah. they're obviously scoring a lot of goals now <laughs> they've got great attacking talent incredible attacking talent absurd attacking talent even um, but they're uh, this has always been a bit of a an issue uh, and, and I think that 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 has not that has not improved no definitely not and I think you can look at TFC have have more or less gone where their center backs go. And I think like you look at the the best, the 2017 team and the 2018 and 2016 mm-hmm. and the MLS Cup teams, and you had 
Chris Mavinga played very well. You had Drew Moore. You had competent center back play. And then I think Mavinga has fallen a bit off a cliff, which it's like he's one of the highest paid center backs in the league. It's an interesting question on what you do next year. Salcedo goes back to Mexico and you lose a DP center back where you were already very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Neal is like a free agent making middling money and he's been mostly fine given some of the lineups. He's, I would say serviceable is probably yeah. the best word to describe the career of Shane O'Neill. He's if, a serviceable if, center back. Yes. If he has to be the best center back in your team, you're probably in trouble. Yes. Um, and then like Lucas McNaughton, who is a University of Toronto alumni, which is where I coach, which is quite cool. But he's like a good CPL center back. He's probably like if he's playing significant MLS minutes for you, there's big question marks. So it's 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 one of those where center back it just remains a problem. They've gotten quite good value out of their fullbacks. Even when the kids played, they actually got decent production out of their fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but at center back, it's just like there's two goals given away every game, and in goal they haven't gotten great performances either. Yeah, it's, it's they're gonna have to. to build from that. That's gonna be a. They gotta do something about that goalkeeper position. I think. Uh... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah. been going on for a while. I think that that's got to be addressed. Um, and you know, the thing is, like, you can't just keep like they can't throw money at these problems anymore, right? Like, so I assume you, I don't know why they would. You can though, you can. So, like with with the amalgamation of the the various channels of allocation money. Right. Like, you really do have a lot to spend. Um, like, TFC still had pretty significant allocation money reserves to spend at the end of this year that they could mm-hmm. have kept spending. And I think there's enough pieces in league that you can go trade for that become available. And then I think there's enough... I think there's enough interest and enough that you can spend in terms of salary that you can go get players like as much as it's a bit of a meme in terms of how much they're spending on the DPs. Like they do still have a DP spot open. Um, (laughs) It's insane. Like, like, like Michael Bradley has technically been a DP all season because he's an accounting DP. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a max, he's on max Tam, um, but has been put as a DP because Insigne and, and Bernardeschi weren't here the first half of the season. And then Salcedo went back to Mexico um, by the time those guys got there. And so, like, yes, they they can add another DP. Is that guy going to be a center back? I don't know. They also said they wouldn't do it this season just to do it. They would wait till January. So we'll see. But that's a pretty big uh, chip to play as well. Yeah. yeah but like, I mean, nice. why, would you, why would you go and spend on a, on a keeper? I feel like every time i hear uh and, and i get it you if you, you go spend on resources and stuff internal league it's going to be cheaper but still there's so many free keepers that are backup keepers that just i mean it seems so easy to take a, fl- a flyer on i don't i don't understand why teams aren't doing this more frequently that have goalkeeping problems it just seems like there's so many people out there that are available that can be had um, and, and maybe that's just maybe that's just uh, Maybe I'm just speaking out my ass at this point in time. I don't know. It there, just it just feels that way in MLS, right? There are like two decent goalkeepers in every single super draft. Yeah, like that's I a think... position that does get 
yeah I, like like the, the, the super draft and, and like the american ranks and, and canadian ranks like I, I think that they tend to they build decent keepers like that's not a place where like you really need Agreed. to go looking for foreign talent <laughs> i also just think there's so much like the the downside versus upside risk of spending like let's say you're crazy and you go get like rice and bully and get a dp goalkeeper like right. the the upside versus downside risk is just huge for a goalkeeper where yeah to me so Toronto FC have spent in the the Westberg Bono goalkeeping duo they spend almost a quarter of their salary cap on two players neither of whom are very good and you're definitely not going to go get a third one right to, to, play, <laughs> to, to play over them so I think it, it's a weird spot where like, are you better off just going and being like, yeah, we'll go get like, uh, like who was the Atlanta keeper who had really solid underlyings, but he was like a career backup. And then I think he went to Cincinnati. Oh, Khan. Yeah. Like go get, go get someone like that and pay him 250 grand a year and be like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll give you a run as a starter for a year. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. 100%. Agreed. Uh, all right. So for our, I think our last team we're going to discuss uh, is the curious case of the um, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, what, um, what what happened to the Seattle Sounders, uh, Harrison? Try to come up with a clever response to that, but I mean, there's there really isn't one. I guess I could say something to really piss off a bunch of people and say that like they they went and signed, uh, you know, uh, RSL leftovers, uh, you know, Albert Rusniak. But uh, <laughs> wow. I like look that who's, who's been arguably their best player this right, year, right? Who's yeah. arguably been very, very, very like even if you want to quibble and say that he hasn't been there. Uh, that being said, I, I did have issues with the with the move initially. Um, I, and even like the first six weeks of the of the season, I felt like he was kind of rusty, out of shape. Like I just didn't see a lot of other things. But he's definitely stepped up, and he's definitely you start seeing a lot more numbers. But aside from that, like that's been a bright spot. Surprisingly, the defense took a complete step back. Right, like there's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the entire defense has just been abhorrent. Uh, which I mean, again, we're, we're talk about austin right like you need to be able to counter that defense in some way and when your your attack is basically all on stretchers and on uh various you know pain medication to uh deal with surgeries um that doesn't really get you playing time um so yeah yeah i think if you look at kind of the the history of the seattle sounders in their recent well it's all recent history they're, they're only you know so many years old but like the um the MLS version, people, please. Um, I know, born in '74. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, that rock solid defense was kind of a building block of uh, a lot of what made them successful in their in their years Agreed. of success. And crazy, I mean, like this was also a year of success. They won Champions League. That's insane. Um, but yeah, I think you look at guys like um, like Yamar, who was like a, a best 11 player last year an all-star, you know, like a uh, defender of the year, like runner up or finalist, um, does not look like that this year. Um, Alex Roldan, who was an all-star and, you know, probably towards the fringe of a best 11 on that side, uh, you know, just hasn't quite looked like that. New who's been horrifying all year long. Well, um, and, and new who at one point in time was looking like one of the best center backs in major league soccer. Like, yeah. 
well, then yeah, they like, just seriously, he, he the way that he was man marking yeah. his physical ability and was starting his soccer IQ was starting to match up with that. And yeah. I don't know what happened. I, I have no idea if there's an off the field thing or if there is something that just you know ha, has not clicked or fell out of place tactically. Honestly, I, I don't know, but uh, like that is certainly like an area of well, I mean, mind, I think it, just if it, you if you're only going to play. If you're only going to play two center backs, he's not going to be one of them. Um, just because I think that they see Ariaga as that guy, they see Imar as that guy, and they have a lot of, um, you know, reason I think to think that. Uh, if they're going to play, if you're playing with the three center backs, where I think you've seen Seattle have success doing that to some degree, um, certainly last year when it kind of fit their personnel a little bit better, but 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 also at times this year when they were just looking to mix things up because it wasn't going well. Um, you know, you've seen Newhu again be a really good left center back, like in that back three. Uh, but as like an out and out left back, you know, he's just been, he's been horrible. And like, uh, you know, we, you know, attacking wise, he's not going to be very good. Uh, you know, his, his last game, notwithstanding. Um, but even defensively, he's been very, very poor uh, as, as a left back, um, I think. So, yeah, I, I would agree that, 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 you know, other than the obvious culprits of, of like a Joe Palo industry uh, or, well, I said all that wrong, <laughs> Joe Palo uh, injury. Um you know the extra games, the 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 weight that that puts on your your the wear and tear that puts on your body at the beginning of the year with the way CCL is scheduled. Uh, it's been just that like that defensive sort of solidarity has just kind of fallen by the wayside. But but I'd be curious what Kieran has to say because you're you're a little bit more outside on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 two things you kind of say at the end to me are, are what stand out the most from the outside, where like CCL is. We, we saw this with Toronto when Toronto made the finals and we saw it with when Montreal made the finals. It, it, it's incredibly emotionally and physically draining where you're basically throwing away the whole first six weeks of the season. So you're in the hole to begin with anyways. Yeah. And, and then it's like you pick up some injuries in the run and then you make the final and lose or you make the final and win. And it's this huge thing especially off of the back of if you have a deep playoff run the year before like you might be talking about your whole off season is three weeks yeah where, like i know that was a big thing around the toronto team was they went they won mls cup they came back from mls cup the day afterwards like steven betashore is being told hey we can't give you a contract because we can't fit you under the cap <laughs> and you have this whole emotional thing and then it's like okay yeah you get three weeks and then we go again and it's like i i can't imagine how difficult that is and then i think the biggest thing where you look at someone like Nuhu and you look at these center backs who a lot of to me the thing that i take away from all the seattle center backs whether it's a three or a two is that they're so good at being aggressive to step into midfield which really really enables a press and you can't do that if you just have no defensive midfield cover because everyone yeah. is free yeah. to receive in front of you. And I think that's a really good point. Like, I think you look at Jao Paulo and it's like, yeah, that guy's dope. He's really good. And then you had a really good backup in Vargas, who is somehow a really good backup at 16. And then they both go down. It's very difficult to like, I don't think there is a single team in the league who could fade to two defensive midfielder season ending injuries. Like I don't think there's anyone. Yeah. And to Seattle's credit, they're not 
they're out of it. I mean, you know, they, no. there's they, they went out their season. They're probably going to make the playoffs. I don't I don't know if this is like a, an MLS Cup kind of team. I, I think they're, they're a little fragile for that. Um, you know, one thing I kind of want to just get back to, too, I, I hear a lot of people and I'm speaking mainly to, to angry Seattle Sounders fans here that, that get up in my my mentions, um, you know, that would say something like, oh, you know, it's only like five, six games. The CCL, you can't keep blaming everything. And it's just like, yeah, but it's at the beginning, though. Like it's actually it's so much extra wear and tear at the beginning of like kind of your um, your, your fitness arc throughout the season. Right. <laughs> like that that does mess with it and like you said it happened to toronto it happened to to even while nyc you know, nyc was in the game like you know it happens to every team we see every mls team that goes deep in this tournament i think i can't think of any example where there hasn't been a noticeable drop off in that regular season well i mean it's just it's so hard to, uh, like look we do this in the military like <laughs> i just re- relate to this to to what i know man like we go through every year there's an annual fit test there's an annual fit test and the majority yeah there's like a 10 percent, 20 percent where like it doesn't apply because they are fit all the time and then you have right. guys like me you have guys like me that sit behind a desk and do all sorts of stuff and look you ramp up you have you you get into shape you're ready you take it and that's like a six month process right as soon as you as soon as you pass that it is it's like cool good done for another year and you kind of start to drift off and then you start ramping up it's a it's a just a yearly cycle that's how it is it's really hard to stay at that fit level with everything else that i'm doing that doesn't pertain to my job right and so like then you take this to 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 sports to professional athletes that's like a hundred times more like the amount to stay that fit and to be doing those things in that cycle, like you talked about, it's so emotionally wearing. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's extremely hard to to continue to do that and be there and remain healthy. It's just, man, yeah, it, it's it's a lot. All right, let's now take five minutes to talk about the Montreal Impact. Yes, for the, for the first time ever on this podcast, maybe. Are we actually doing that? Are we yeah. allowed to? Yes. Yeah. This we're gonna is American soccer about. analysis, and technically Toronto's in Buffalo, so we're. Here's the thing. There, but... Here's the thing I want to say. Apparently, the Montreal Impact are good at soccer. They are indeed. What's they going are. on there? As our resident Canadian, Karen, what's what's <laughs> going on with Montreal? Um. So this is another team in the vein of like cohesive tactical identity recruitment that fits the cohesive tactical identity um i i think there's like a few things that are just cool about montreal so i think like wilfred nancy is uh he played in the canadian university leagues which is just like there aren't that many people who played there and went to like reasonable careers which is very cool um and he's just like a humble guy who's like, yeah, we don't have the most talent, so we're going to play a crazy organized defensive way. And we don't really have a, a crazy nine, so we're going to play a bunch of guys who are really good at running in behind and creating chances mostly for themselves, but also for one other guy. And they took Georgie Mihailovic from Chicago and said, yeah, we think you can be a legit star, even though Chicago think you can't be. Otherwise, they would have paid you like one. 
and said, go for it. And he was, it was the right gamble. And now they just got 7 million for him or whatever. And he'll go to, to Holland in January. And so I think there's just like a lot of really fun, cool stories there. And I think they, the other thing that I quite enjoy is that they play exceptionally differently to almost everyone in the league. There are very few teams in the league who are as committed to low block transition play the way they are. Like they are the antithetical team to the, we want to play attractive attacking soccer. They're like, no, we want to defend and counter you. (laughs) And they are unabashed about it, which is quite cool. I like it. I feel like one thing you brought up an interesting thing where they say, where you talked about how they have a very, um, I do feel like Montreal's always been pretty good at recruitment. Like I don't see a lot of their guys. They bring in like being misses. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think there's a little bit of like, we don't talk about Montreal, so we don't think about the misses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very willing to accept that. Yeah. Like they, they have, they have spent a not insignificant amount of money on some very, very weird designated players. And also just like, like not, well, they're- not as much DPs, but like guys that they've paid $500,000 a year that just aren't good. Like Rudy Camacho and like, Rudy's, center back. Like, Rudy's still going, isn't he? Like Rudy's still I think there. So. Right? I think he's like yeah. fine, but like probably not like five hundred thousand dollars fine. But the defensive salary. I mean, you know, they they're doing something right. The For sure. um, I guess like, I mean, yeah, they're pretty. Well, it's about, about playing about into their guys. talent, right? I just think about guys that have just kind of played these roles, like, like you wouldn't thought like Kyoto would be like this kind of offensive production guy that he's become um you know that was a risk for a lot of reasons and i guess it's working out for them um you know i think about guys like piete like just these kind of like weird midfield guys that they sort of bring in i don't know i've always like had like a weird eye on some of their they're they're like uh they're less heralded they're just a, a very unheralded team so, yeah. so i think that they, they pull some interesting guys yeah, like come on come on miller come on miller is the one to me where he was like mm-hmm. a whatever player at Orlando who got drafted reasonably high. Like I think he was a first round pick. Uh, he was not second round pick late second round. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it looks like Montreal is like second best in XGA. Yeah. Their, their defensive numbers are crazy. Like I think mm-hmm. when I wrote my season preview, I like checked in on it halfway through the year, but they're in terms of G plus allowed in the half spaces, like just on the mm-hmm. edge of the area, they're the lowest every single year that they've played like this. So there you go, Montreal fans, if there are any of you that listen to this podcast, which, given that we've never acknowledged your team's existence before, <laughs> there probably aren't. But, yeah. but we do. I do think they have some interesting questions where, like, they are a little bit of an older team. Like, when mm-hmm. Yama is 31 and has a lot of minutes on his legs, Kyoto's 31 has a lot of minutes on his legs. Kyoto's 31? Wow. Yeah. Um, Kai Kamara is 38 and plays real <laughs> minutes Kamara's- for them. Still, still um, Kai Kamara, man. Still just doing his thing. They they also are this good and have had the worst goalkeeping in the entire league. Yeah. So they, they've had um, Sebastian Brezza has been their starter for most of the year. I think he's played like 22 90s or something like that. And mm-hmm. he's like nine goals behind expected. Something crazy like that. And then Pentemis is similarly bad, which is not a great feeling. So... 
it's like their ceiling might even be higher than what it is now. But I, they have some interesting recruitment decisions. Same with Ismael Kone. They're like really hot young kid, the, the 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's I think they there. just sold him for a significant amount of money or almost sold him. So we'll see yeah, where they're headed, but they're fun for now. Yet. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Karen, do you have some trivia questions you wrote for us? I do. So I think trivia is very fun. All right. And so I wrote a question for every team that we talked about today. Okay. Oh, I'm going to get most of these wrong. Yeah. So I will say they, I think they are like somewhat gettable, mostly gettable. Okay. All right. So they're numbered one to six. There are three for each of you. It is two points for a correct answer and one point for a steal on the opportunity <laughs> okay. to steal. Okay. So uh, <laughs> since you are both equally we'll, enthused. We'll, we'll, We'll see how well this goes. This this might not be a regular feature. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. <laughs> if it's terrible, we can cut it. So I will say, Ian, you can go first. Pick a number between one and six. Uh, give me four. Okay, number four. In the spirit of nepotism, Michael Bradley is the league leader in which basic statistical category among outfielders? Ooh. Um... Is it uh, is it age? It is not age. There are indeed but, older players than Michael Bradley. I know that, but are there any players that look as old as Michael Bradley? <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Is it defensive, like interception, something like that? I know he's really it, good at. Uh, it is. It is not. Harrison, you want a chance to steal? Uh, I I would go for pass attempts. He may well be, but that yeah, is not the I, answer I have. The answer I have yeah. is minutes played. Oh, that wow. was going to be my second. Ah. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is a good good feature, actually. Minutes played. That's wow. like Michael Bradley's leading league in minutes. It's probably not a good thing. It's not what you want. I, I, <laughs> I think I specifically wrote at the beginning of the season, one of the biggest bellwethers of how TFC do this year is how much Michael Bradley plays. And the bell <laughs> certainly the, weathered. And not in the way you would normally write that sentence. No. The implications are the opposite. Alrighty, Harrison, picking up between one and six, excluding four. Uh, four was my lucky number, so let's go with three. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best question in the whole the whole one. Oh no. Gareth Bale is currently setting the league and LAFC's roster building alight with a serviceable 2.25 XG plus XA from 300 minutes so far. What is his golf handicap? Plus 32? No. I have no idea. Ian, what do you think Gareth Bale's handicap is? I don't even know what handicaps like are. Like, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what, like, 10 is that high? Is that good? I don't, I'm not a the, golf guy. The, I'm going to say five, four. Let's go four. Wow, that's really close. It's six. Six? Oh, okay. Yeah. So zero means, so does that mean- zero means you play like your score is your score. And then the higher number is like your, you if are. you always shoot an 80, your handicap would be an eight. So See, like, I kind of figured like he, he. I figured he plays like spare. Like he wants to play more, so I was kind of going with maybe he's just really bad. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping he was human at something. So that would have been nice. Well, I will say that is probably the most difficult question. So, all right, that's a good one, though. All righty, Ian, you are up. Uh, two. 
two. Montreal are currently second in the East while their starting goalkeeper, as I mentioned, Sebastian Breza, is bottom of the league in goals minus expected goals. Name the only other team in our data set, so 2013 onwards, uh, to come top three in their conference while their goalkeeper was last in goals minus expected goals. So they were the worst starting goalkeeper in the league, and they came top three. Okay. Um, is it just in the East? or, or is, is I will, I'll will. i give you a hint and say, yes, this team is in the East. Uh. Okay. Is it the Red Bulls? Is it one of the Red Bull teams? That is a good guess, but it is not one of the Red Bull teams. Harrison, ah. it was up for you to steal. I'm guess I, I I'm guessing it's going to be Toronto. It is not Toronto. There is one year where Andre Blake was the worst of rookie course, of 2019. Course. Yeah. Ah. How could I forget Andre Blake's? Isn't that the year he won Goalkeeper of the Year too? Uh, it it actually might be, but yeah, he was, the, was the worst <laughs> goalkeeper by XG in the entire league that year. Yeah, and they came third in the East. Yeah. We are doing Incredible. a stand-up job right now. Really good at this. I, I like the segment, though. It stays. It stays. Okay, so number one, five, and six are left. Let's go six. Oh, the Seattle Sounders question. Nuhu Tolo is a divisive figure amongst Sounders fans, but MLSsoccer.com is pretty sure of his quality. How many of Nuhu's seasons with Seattle has he finished with an above-average G+, so greater than zero? Oh man, we've I've looked at this too. He has, uh, he has played six seasons. I will give you that. So a number less than six. I uh, I would guess one. We have our first correct answer. It is one. Yeah. I knew this was. It, it was the COVID season, right? It, it was the rough one. Uh, I believe it was his first season, but I'm oh, not really? confident. I have. Yeah, to I was gonna. I was but gonna was say, one. I think it's early on in his in his career. It's I think everything is not left back. That much is true. I like how you've written all these questions like it's an academic bowl, by the way, Kieran. So you're welcome. You this is what happens when you played football <laughs> in high school. Yeah, there you go. Alrighty, one in five. Uh give me one. Give me number one. Okay. Austin are shattering their expected goals difference for real goal difference this year. And as we all know, sometimes it is better to be lucky than to be good. On pace to finish the season with 57 points, how many teams have ever broken 55 points with a negative expected goal difference? So this question is a little bit different. So because it is your question, you get to set the over-under, and then Harrison picks over or under and... If he's oh, wrong, uh, you get the, uh, the point. And if you get it exactly, you are also get the point. Okay, I'm going to set the over-under at three. Harrison, over-under three teams to break 55 points with a negative expected goal difference. Is this in our data set? It is, yes, so 2013 onwards. I'd say over. You would be correct in taking the over. It is seven. Wow. So you have have DC United 2014. You have New York Red Bull 2015. You have Seattle, both 2018 and 2019. Uh, That was right Uh, there for me. RSL 2013 and 14. Portland 2021. And the Revolution in 2014. A lot of old teams in there. There might be some weird data things going on there. But nonetheless. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, number five. uh, Kai Kamara has played for nine MLS clubs. 
name them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, SKC, Columbus, Vancouver, Colorado. Uh, You are correct so far. Montreal. Yes. Um, That's half. That's we're over halfway. You you have three left, I think. Uh, Houston Houston Dynamo. Yes. Um, He hasn't played for any Cali teams. Uh, Uh, Hasn't he, though? Hasn't he? Nice try. Get out of my head. Uh, Didn't play for Philly. Who am I missing? Three teams. Uh, I think I can finish this for you. I'm ready to steal. Let me get uh, back on the board, Harrison. I'll let him steal. I'll let him steal. Alrighty. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Minnesota? Correct. Oh, damn it. Did you say New England? I don't think you said he New England. He did not say New England. Correct. And oh. he did play very briefly for a California team, I believe, the San Jose Earthquakes. That is correct. Yeah. Did he really? He did indeed. Yeah, way back in the day. I did not know about the Earthquakes. I, 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 I feel I feel I, stupid for the New England one, but and Minnesota. Well, yeah, we I go. remember writing about this a number of times <laughs> about Kai Kamara. Well, there going you go. through his list. Team, what team I, what effort, nine teams. So I will. I'll, I'll say I believe Harrison wins uh, three to one on that one. Wow. So. Well, never mind. This is not going to be recurring. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Kai. Or, uh, Kai. Thank, thank you, Kai Kamara. Yes, indeed. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kai Doyle. Uh, thank you, Kieran. Um, all right. That's all. We're, we're done with this episode of the American Soccer Analysis Show. Haven't done one of these outros in a long time, but uh, I'm hopefully going to go. Uh, thank you uh, to my fellow hosts. Uh, you can find Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find Kieran on Twitter at, I don't, no, your handle off the top of my head. At, at Kier Doyle. K-I-E-R Doyle. Correct. Um, you know, good good account that Kier Doyle. Uh, Kier Doyle used to be the like one of the only people that would send us questions to to uh, answer on this show. So it's you know, he's come full circle. Now he's he's writing questions for this the, 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 the quiz segment. The last podcast I listened to, Harrison said that Pozuelo had never fit at Toronto FC, and I wanted to have that conversation at some point. We never did, but just know that it, it has festered for a year. Okay, well, you we'll think, you, you, I, am I wrong? Am I wrong in that? I will totally see that I'm wrong. Uh, I'm wrong in a lot of opinions. I think. I well, we, we we'll talk we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Yes, yes, we, won't, we won't we won't delay his outro. On the next episode of the American Soccer Analysis. <laughs> um, uh, you can uh, fo- follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis Evolved, and please. I beg of you, visit the website, www.americansocceranalysis.com. Um, go visit our tables. Uh, we've got some some articles up there right now you might not have read. Uh, did goals added confuse you at all? Well, guess what? We've got goals subtracted now. So work that into your head as well. Um, and also, a lot of fun thing we have going on right now is the American Soccer Analysis Patreon. 
uh, which we would love it if you'd visit. And you can find that at patreon.com slash American Soccer Analysis. And for the low, low price of $5 per month, uh, you can join us in the American Soccer Analysis Patreon only Discord, which we've uh, had going for a couple weeks. And we got a lot of people in there already. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, really smart, smart dudes. Uh, not just ASA people, but, but some of our, uh, our listeners and readers uh, have come in and given us lots to think about. So uh, we'd love to have you join us there. It's a great way to support uh, this uh, whole venture. And um, we'd appreciate it uh, either way. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We're sorry for uh, the inconsistency and delays. We will be back again at some point, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, until then, enjoy the soccer. And I'm watching you all.